Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Time for Counterpoint. We've got Omar Khan and Melissa Lanceman. I'm just going to shorten this whole thing down. Both VPs, both with uh, Hill and Norton strategies. One's a conservative and one is not. One is not. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're kind of normal, no? You're good. Uh, okay, let's let's talk about the one issue. Well, there's a couple of issues that are, are causing a bit of angst. But um, a former Tory senator, I don't know if he's really even a conservative, but nonetheless, uh, he calls scrapping basic income, the, the basic income pilot, horrific. So Hugh Siegel is uh, the guy that helped design this basic income program for Ontario's Liberal Party. And he thinks it's a very big mistake to scrap it. And he was very critical, saying that he was embarrassed as a PC. So, um, Melissa, I'm not even sure at this point if this was an election promise or not, because it was and then it wasn't. And and now I don't really know where that stands. But nonetheless, is it a mistake for them to be canceling this program? Oh, look, I, I think that when you're uh, you're making election promises, you actually don't have a view of how much these things are going to cost. Oh, come on. You have no view of uh, of of what the, the what accounts. the uh, what the budget is going to be. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that the the deficit is going to be much bigger than uh, what you said it was going to be. But well, it'll bounce itself. Oh no, that's, that's right. The other, that's the um, other government. <laughs> you know, that said, it's a it's a it's a it's a program that is going to cost seventeen billion dollars. So at well, some no, point. When at some point when you uh, when you know that you can't do it, when do you cut it off? Uh, whether it was an election promise or not, uh, if you're not going to go ahead with anything, why pilot it? Uh, I think that you you need to. I think the Ford government needs to find better ways to uh, to make it easier for for those most vulnerable in society. Uh, and I hope that he has a plan uh, real soon to do that. I hope he has a plan too. But speaking of it, as much as, as he's being criticized from those on the left, I will remind our liberal friend that if the pilot was so important, why did it only go in in 2017? I mean, you guys had written 15 by conservative. years <laughs> a progressive to do conservative. this. I mean, which 15, don't exist anymore. If you'd done this in the beginning, we would know how it would work or how it doesn't work. Yeah, you know. Look, I'm not going to relitigate 15 years of liberal government. A lot of things were done. There were a lot of things on the agenda. I was actually in one of the meetings, one of the first meetings where this idea was being put forward by a group uh, that included um, uh, some folks from Canadian Doctors for Medicare, actually, uh, because what 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 they were saying then, and you know, if we had continued with the pilot, we would have had data to see if this was true or not. But the the health outcomes, uh, among other things, but the health outcomes. Uh, from these types of programs, as evidenced by, by evidence in Manitoba in the 70s and, and Finland today, uh, is quite extraordinary, particularly for folks in in the lower income bracket. And that actually saves money down the line. So the whole theory behind a basic income is that, yes, you get a basic income. Okay, if you cl- apply it across the board, for like it's, <laughs> yes, it's, it might be $17 billion, it but, it's, be. but it's offset by tax cuts and tax changes. Uh-huh. It's offset by savings to the healthcare system. But it only works it's, if it's you get by, rid of all the other crap. Like, you got to get rid of all people, those agencies. It's offset by people going to university and college and upgrading their skills because they have a little bit more money. It's but offset you're, by but kids. But you guys were also giving that away for free, too. It's offset, so that's, it's offset by kids uh, getting better scores in school because they're actually going to school on, you know, with a full stomach. So look, you know, again, elections have consequences. The government was elected and they can do what they want, uh, but they shouldn't claim that this wasn't a broken promise because, you know, they, they could have had it in their platform that they were going to kill this. They didn't. 
I think it's wholly unnecessary. They basically, I think the Globe and Mail said today they may as well have just lit fifty million dollars on fire um, because you know this was this was a completely unnecessary waste of money on a program that could have actually had real benefit for people. Uh, we'll never know, unfortunately. But if you're not going to do it, but how can know. you know you're not going to do it until you actually see the results? Well, because well, the cost the cost associated with it is astronomical. We know we don't have that at uh, at our disposable at our disposal in Ontario. That's partly your fault. Nonetheless, it, it, look, it, it's been done. <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna. I don't know if it would have worked or it wouldn't. I can only go off of most other and economies, there's, there's, and it hasn't there's, there's, worked. There's, However, there's four thousand people, four thousand yeah. folks yeah. who were who were relying on this program across Ontario in places like Hamilton, Thunder Bay small towns across this province who are now, you know, going to be quite, they're going to be hurting. I don't think they'll be left high and dry. It's not like the services are being taken away altogether. They'll have access. But, 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 you know, and we started to hear a lot of them speak out. Uh, They're going to be affected by this. And, you know, I, I, I give the new minister, Lisa McLeod, the benefit of the doubt. I think she's a good person. I know her personally from Ottawa. Um, Believe it or not, I've actually donated to her campaign in the past. Uh, I think Lisa, uh, Minister, no, (laughs) Minister McLeod has said that she's going to come out with a hundred day plan. I hope that in that 100-day plan, we see some some measures designed to alleviate uh, the negative impact to some of these people who've been affected by the cancellation of the pilot. For sure. And if there's a, there's a proper wind down. So Yeah. Well, look, we'll hear about it. That you can guarantee. We will hear about it. Because uh, we hear about everything these days. We heard about um, all the screaming and crying from Queen's Park today of all 100 people that were there. Andrea Horvath hosting what she called the Democracy Rally, where... Now, I guess every day we're going to have hysteria on the lawns of Queen's Park. Um, Here is what Andrew Horvath said um, today before, I guess, they were to debate the legislation of cutting council in half. Thank you for being here today to fight with us to save your city from the claws of Doug Ford. (laughs) Because we all know that this city does not belong to Doug Ford. Who does this city belong to? Us. (laughs) It belongs to all of you. It belongs to all of you. It belongs to the people of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And we are here today to stand together against Doug Ford's plan to steal power away from the people of Toronto. Okay, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. I'm done. The hysteria is getting to me. Uh, Is this the best way, Melissa, for the NDP to be using their time? I mean, look, the issue they really should be making all the noise about is the basic income. Not like let the Toronto councillors, you know, go crazy over this thing. But like why every day? I think it's uh, so it's being in opposition is a really difficult thing. You have to be super disciplined. You need to actually articulate an alternative. And what's happening now is you're sort of going and chasing the issue of the day uh, and you're bringing people and you're not learning how to be an effective opposition. Um, there's a couple things that, uh, that Doug Ford and the Fords were really good at at, uh, at City Hall, and it's knowing exactly what they stood for. They drove an agenda. They drove an issue. If you ever heard Doug Ford uh, or his, uh, his late brother speak, you heard subways, subways, subways. These guys are about subways. If you ever heard the PCs in opposition, you heard hydro, hydro, hydro. They drove an agenda. They drove a narrative, uh, and that's uh, what a lot of their election promises were based on. Here's the problem, Omar. If they're screaming about everything, that means they're standing for nothing. And if they are in opposition, they're going to have to stop going after the low-hanging fruit because after a while, they won't know what they're fighting for. And instead of actually becoming a cohesive alternative to who they say they hate, the NDP are just going to find themselves boxed in thin air. 
Yeah, you know, I, I disagree to a certain extent. I think this was a big enough issue, particularly the way in which, the callous way in which, which it's been done, that I don't think she had any choice but to jump on it. Particularly because um, you know most of the most of the most vocal counselors, not all, but most of them, um, are are of an NDP bent, right? So I think she's got a she's got a solid uh, portion of her base that really cares about this issue. And it's newsy. I agree. This isn't what's going to win them re-election over four years. I don't think they're going to. They're going to. Sorry, this, this, I don't think they're going to win election in four years. Um, but you know, opposition parties at the best of times, it's hard for them to get into the news cycle. You know, when when. But even when the, you know when the liberals or the PCs are in opposition, you know, we're not hearing words like dictator and uh, and the the, the I mean, yeah, it's I, a bit I hysterical. would I would give uh, Ms. Horvath some advice from the Liberal campaign, uh, from the most recent Ontario Liberal campaign, and that I think, I think I think I hyper, think hyperbole can be your enemy, mm-hmm. uh, because what it does is uh, it makes you lose credibility with voters and with the media. Uh, particularly when you don't need hyperbole. Mr. Ford has done enough in the last couple of weeks to give the NDP uh, some ample uh, ammunition if they if they choose to go after him. I, I tend to agree. We're, like, stand we're back. S- we're seeing know? a really different uh, Andrew Horvath than we saw in the campaign. And we're seeing uh, a different Doug Ford. We are seeing uh, like, different. As long as he doesn't overplay his hand, and he could do that, like, as long as he doesn't, you know, get caught up in the moment and he stands back, a lot can happen, but... Yeah, you know, I think uh, Melissa talked about the NDP needing to learn how to be in opposition. I think the PCs and and Mr. Ford's team need to learn how to be in government a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, being well, in government means you maybe 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 for Alex Pearson, but not for you know. I I I think what most Ontarians expect their government to do is dial down the partisanship a little bit. So we don't need standing ovations in the legislature every 30 seconds. But more importantly, when you're going to make major policy changes, I think most Ontarians expect government to consult with concerned stakeholders, to to talk to people who have different points of view. Doesn't mean they're going to listen to them, but they should at least have a voice at the table. And what this government seems to have been doing on a lot of issues is just uh, ruling by diktat. Well, okay, here we go. Not dictator. So I think you're one of nine people that watch uh, the legislature and uh, what's actually going on in there. I'm I'm probably you know number ten. That said, uh, I think he's moving very quickly on a lot of the election promises. I don't think it's acting like a campaign. I think it's just following through on a lot of the campaign promises that you saw. But a lot of things that weren't in the in the campaign. They don't have to go on everything that campaign. I got to go to break. I have to go to a break. I have to pay for things. All right. Let's let's break it there. 830. Uh, Got to do some commercials here. When we come back, we will continue. And should you get a day off for your dead cat? And is there ever an appropriate time for blackface? We'll talk about that. Seth Rogen's new movie, Under Fire. That's next year on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. We're doing the cat thing. Yeah, we'll do the cat <laughs> thing here on Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We've got Omar Khan in with Melissa, Melissa Lanceman. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, is there ever an acceptable time for anyone to be in blackface? Seth Rogen's got a new movie out. I guess it's called Good Boys, which is now under fire because one of the child act- actors who's a stand-in, not even one of the stars, a stand-in, was pictured with essentially makeup that looks like blackface and the filmmaker says it was makeup used to make his skin look darker so that he would match the child that he was standing in for and apparently very common practice but there's big backlash um 
this is nuts. Uh, <laughs> if this is common practice, it needs to stop. I guess like, you know, sexual harassment used to be common practice in Hollywood too. Um, you know, if you, if you look at a lot of the movies from, I guess you would call it the golden era of cinema, mm-hmm. um, you see this very common. So, so I think, um, I don't know, the Christmas movie, you know, the one I'm talking about. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, that one, <laughs> yeah. right? The, yeah. So that, the, that, the scene in that movie is all full of, you know, actors in blackface. Yeah. And imagine how it feels to be an African-American or an African-Canadian to see a movie like that, knowing that the reason those people are in blackface is because you weren't allowed to have that job. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's the case now, but that's the historical context behind this. Um, and, you know, I just think it's unacceptable. Seth Rogen has uh, issued a statement in the last hour apologizing, saying it never Good. should have happened. Um, and he's not even going to bother giving an excuse as to why it happened. But, you know, we've got this movement in Hollywood, um, Melissa. You know, last month, Scarlett Johansson was under fire because she was going to play a transvestite in a movie. And they said, no, 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 you can't do that unless you've got an actual transvestite in the role. So the rules are changing. The rules are absolutely changing. And they should. I, I can't believe we're talking about this in 2018. It's never okay. Um, you know, this is uh, this is something that was you know in the early, uh, sort of in the early part of the uh, the century that was used uh, quite liberally. And if it if it feels okay to you, it doesn't mean that it feels okay to anyone else. Um, and and I agree with Omar. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the conservative here that says not okay to uh, to blackface uh, ever. Well, and certainly you wouldn't put a picture of it up on Instagram. I mean, honestly, like. You know it's going to get people talking and angry, nonetheless. All right, so he has apologized. Um, I want to talk about this story that um, we were talking about a little bit earlier, and you don't really need to know the story well, but I'm going to throw it at you. Is it ever okay to prank your child? There's a guy who is a YouTube star, makes all his money off it by pranking his kids. So he'll light fireworks to scare the bejeebers out of them while they're sleeping. He'll do things like pretend to poke his eyeball out. Well, he gave them laxative in their ice cream without telling them. And when it kicked in, he decided to film it and put it on YouTube. And here is what the children sound like. What's wrong with your stomach? My stomach good. You better go to the bathroom, man. You better go now. Okay, it goes on and on. This guy should be in jail for this okay. child abuse. Uh, child abuse. Yeah, I, I thought so too. <laughs> he, he, YouTube took down the channel. They've since put it back up. But to me, I don't understand how he hasn't been charged. You don't. You give your kid an excess amount of of X lax. And you're not charged with, you know, endangering life. And then you life, make then fun you of their suffering it. on yeah. air for like on the internet in front of, you know, millions of people. That's crazy. And, and that's, well, neither of you guys have kids, right? No. And no. that was the reaction. Okay. Because I thought, well, maybe it's just me because I've got a child. Because anytime I see any no, kind of. I know not. I know enough. I don't have kids, but I know enough that uh, when I do, uh, they're not uh, getting laxatives and I'm not going to put it on the internet. But if you did. Like I, how you do that, your children as are pleading and in, in pain, and you think that that's funny, and you encourage it, and then you let mil- millions of people watch this. What does it say about them? I, I let's find out which state or city he's in and send it to the district attorney. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Maybe there's a bigger backlash since the backlash, and we'll see what happens. Licenses to procreate. No, oh, <laughs> really, oh, I'm with you, sister. Oh, uh, let's talk a little bit about a case coming out in uh, Quebec. Do employers need to give employees a day off if they lose a pet like a cat. There was a woman in Quebec whose cat, Juliet, died and she wanted a day off. The company said, sorry, we can't do that. Took it to the labor board and they thankfully, um, because weird things happen in Quebec, but they came back and said, no, they don't have to give a day off. 
I don't, I actually don't know what I did wrong in my life. I, I feel like I did everything right. I went to the right school. I got a good job. And still, I'm talking about people who miss work uh, <laughs> because of their dead cats. Um, I, um, I can't even believe that this is a story that it's filling uh, the real estate on my phone and in my brain right now. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think you know what I'm going to say about, uh, um, you know, about the tribunals and even when they act uh, right and accordingly, accordingly, like they did in uh, in this case. But meow, meow. No days off for uh, for dead cats. I just think the employer should have just given her the day off. I don't think most employers would be. I think they most but, would say, don't worry about it, go home. But yeah. seriously, when we go down this road... Well, look, you know, anyone can take a case to any tribunal. That's your right as a citizen of this country. Um, but they can be dismissed be. out of hand, which I'm sure this one was. <laughs> I hope so. I hope lots of people didn't spend lots of hours deliberating over this. Let poor me dead cat. let me guess. Neither of you have pets. No, I but, have but a pet. You do. I have a pet. A dog. I have a dog. Yeah, that's. Di- I, I put it's dogs totally and cats in. A t- okay, so if your dog dies, oh. should you get a day off? I'm going to ask for one. Yeah. I, I think hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, no. It'll Buddy, never if you're ha- listening, it'll never close happen. your ears. Knock on wood. I'll talk to Goldie. There you go. All right, guys, I got to leave it there. Elmar Khan and Melissa Lanceman joining us tonight. Appreciate the conversation. Here on Point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.